You're listening to the Weekly Wrap-Up on Sprott Money News. Happy Friday from Sprott Money News at SprottMoney.com. It's Friday, June the 26th, 2020. Time for your weekly wrap-up. I'm your host, Craig Hemke, and joining us, of course, this fine Friday is Eric Sprott himself. Eric, happy Friday. Hey, same to you, Craig. Uh, we had a pretty good week last week, all things considered, and uh, lots of excitement uh, to, ch- to uh, chat about. That is for sure. Uh, we've got some kind of fits and starts with economies reopening and a lot of concern about the virus perking back up around in uh, different spots. And that is still strongly influencing supply lines for really every product, including the precious metals. But at Sprott Money, we are continuing to add products for purchase at SprottMoney.com. So please be sure to check out our selection of gold and silver bullion products available on the website. Again, SprottMoney.com. Or as you can call us at 888-861-0775. Yeah, Eric, it's been an interesting week. It's the end of uh, the quarter is pending, the end of the month. We had option expiration. We've got contracts going off the board, all this kind of jazz. But still... Hey, uh, gold and silver both up about 1%, and the shares are having a great week, too. Yeah, new highs. Uh, things have been great in the in the precious metal area, and lots of people are uh, predicting higher prices. Like, we're getting the mainstream financial uh, organizations recommending gold. And, of course, uh, they typically say, well, 5 or 10% of your portfolio, and, uh, and as the gold stocks, I think, start outperforming the market, which they've certainly done this year, they probably continue to lean to uh, higher weightings. And as we've uh, mentioned many times, I mean, the weighting, I think, of all gold stocks and gold in the financial world is maybe at most 2%. So if you think you're going to get to 5 there's only one way that it can get to 5 and that's the stock's going up 150%. And to get to 10 they got to go up 400%. So uh, bear that in mind. And some of us hog the puck. In, uh, in owning gold and gold shares. You know, the, some of us people who are already 90% invested in these things, and you ain't getting it out of our hands. So um, it's going to be very difficult for people to fully participate in this. So if you're thinking about it, I would say stop thinking about it and get in the game. Yeah. You know, as we approach the end of the month next week, we also have the end of the quarter next week. I mean, Eric, you've been doing this a long time. How much is that end of quarter, they call it window dressing, impact the markets in general, but specifically the precious metals? Well, now, it's a very interesting question, because typically I'd say on the commodity market per se, because the uh, commercials seem to be short all the time, it puts pressure on the gold price. But we have a new phenomenon at this quarter end, and, and the phenomenon is that the gold stocks have done well. And so the equity players would probably want to say I participated in the gold trade. And if they haven't participated in the gold trade, they will be positioning to at least say they did something instead of just watch, you know, the stocks go up, whatever the percent is, 24% and own nothing. So I think there'll be pressure to own the stocks going into quarter end and potentially pressure on the commodity to kind of limit the gain here because uh, they got a mark to market and well actually they don't have to mark to market because banks never have to do anything like that anymore plus they don't have to have reserve requirements i guess they can do whatever the hell they want to do and it may not ever show up in the statements anymore maybe we can get another uh what was that thing in 
in Germany that blew up something card or oh well, yeah wise card or whatever wire, that wire card wire, wire card, card. Was yeah. a wire card all of a sudden you know the three billion dollars just disappeared <laughs> where where did it go who knows anyway um, and luckily the banks don't really have to have a, quite a reporting I I can can't even imagine an auditor could get in trouble with a bank audit these days because they don't have any rules anymore <laughs> so so we're all covered okay anyway. Um, so I would think that they'll try to limit uh, a gold and silver moving up here. And as you and I both know, when we look at what's going on in gold and silver, the physical markets, we see the deliveries on the COMEX uh, going up. In fact, the month of uh, June, almost every day, right. the, the, the need for deliveries is rising. In other words, people keep buying the June contract. You're only buying the June contract because you're going to ask for delivery because there's only like what two days left yeah and every every day this last week the, the uh, outstanding has has gone down less than the deliveries so people keep buying the contract and i think it, during this last week we added 250,000 ounces to deliveries which is about uh, 8 tons and i i we must be well through 160 tons maybe we're at 170 tons or something for the month which is just an incredible number uh, and I see that we have uh, we got expiry in the uh, big July contract for silver. There's about thirty one thousand contracts still open. Yep. That's one hundred and fifty five million ounce, million yep. ounces. Uh, they got uh, today, and uh, I guess uh, Monday to try to whittle it down here. But uh, we could get some big delivery requests there, and maybe what's been going on in gold. I mean, I get the feeling in gold that there's a group of physical buyers. Okay. And they're just and they're putting the squeeze to them, and the open interest goes up. They can't get the open interest down, and the deliveries are monstrous. And maybe the same will happen in um, silver here going forward. Once we get through first notice day, which is Tuesday of next week, then I think we can take the lid off things and maybe end up with a, a pretty good close into the uh, into June thirtieth. And, and just some context on this on these uh, Comex deliveries. The average, I've been monitoring this stuff, obviously, for a decade now, and the average on a delivery month, and there's six of those during the course of the year, well, maybe six to 8,000 contracts because COMEX isn't a physical market. You know, they have this yeah. illusion of delivery to give it some, uh, I guess, some, um, uh, I don't know, make it look like it's actually, it has some legitimacy. But nonetheless, they do about six to 8,000. Uh, last June, very slow, they did about 2,300 contracts were delivered. We are on pace with just a couple days to go to do 55,000 deliveries. Yeah. yeah. Uh, Eric, I mean, we were told this was just, you know, that, well, you know, the mints are closed and the refineries are closed back in April. Well, they're not closed anymore. Yeah, institutions are buying, you know, and it's a small market. <laughs> it's just a small market. You know, when, when big institutions, you know, imagine if Fidelity thinks, well, gee, we should own 10% in gold. Or twenty, or some, you know, or the Canadian institutions. I think the weighting of gold stocks in the TSX now is like eleven percent. I will guarantee you, there's no hardly any institutions that have eleven percent in gold. Okay, yeah. So they got a lot of running to do to catch up to this freight train. Yeah. So they're coming in. Uh, we see it in the COMEX. We see it in the ETFs, which have huge demands. I mean, the amount of gold going into the ETFs and and, and being delivered on the um, COMEX. It's probably 150% of the monthly production of gold. 
Like it's just, it's totally out of control. And right. we're not the only ones buying. There's other countries buying too, okay? I mean, there's China, there's India, there's Germany. Come on, we're just looking at what's happening here. Anyway. Yeah. And there's you, a, there is a consensus and a tsunami uh, coming into town here. And a lot of folks waking up to it, Eric. A lot of big banks are raising their price targets for gold, which, yeah. you know, we think has got to trickle down to, to their clients to maybe start looking at it the first time. And I know yeah. that one of your favorite technical analysts is out with a big uh, price raise, too. Right. Christopher Mullen, technical traders, uh, put a report out, I think it was late last week, uh, with some new revised targets. And the targets were, and I'm not going to get these exactly right, but it's something like 2,000, 2,200, 2,400, and 2,700. There's only one of those numbers I know is exactly right. That's the 2,700. That's the one I care about the most. $2,700. Here's the best part. Two words. This year. Yeah. This year. There's only six months left in the year. That's a thousand data. What the hell would happen to precious metals? Oh my gosh. Isn't that it so- would be staggering. You think the average cost uh, for gold in the fourth quarter last year was like uh, 1480 or something like that. Can you imagine if it's 2480 in the fourth quarter of this year? <laughs> oh gosh. Mind boggling. I the- mean, look, I, I'm a big investor in some companies that, uh, you know, I talked to the management very intimately about what's going on. I said, geez, you imagine if this price is 2700 You know what our cash flow is going to be like? And what are we going to do with this money? You know, what do we, and of course, uh, certain companies, well, we'll pay a dividend, we'll do uh, a buyback, uh, we'll maybe have to acquire something. Do you imagine the scramble to acquire things with the cash flows that these companies would have? It would yeah. be crazy. Yeah. And, and this is all sort of a framework a timing framework. I know there was a great article by Alistair McLeod who basically said, you know, the U.S. dollar is going to crumble. And again, this year, <laughs> and you can sort of see the two matching up. I mean, of course, the gold price is going to go to 2700 if the U.S. dollar crumbles. And unfortunately, for the U.S. specifically, I mean, this COVID-19 is just driving everyone batty down there. I mean, with these breakouts of these cases and the average age of the people getting it now is not 65 anymore it's 35 so you i mean the 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 young people obviously have been a little irresponsible and now they're paying the price and i I read a funny thing today that in australia there's a new toilet paper buying panic that's restarted oh no (laughs) and we're all familiar with that right Well, they've started the second one now because oh, it's breaking out again. So here we go. Play it again, Sam. And it, like we're already in a depression. How the hell we're going to get out of the depression is anyone's guess here. But right. uh, it's, it's it's very slow. I can't even believe that the unemployment insurance claims keep going up every week. Like, when is this going to stop? Anyway, it doesn't look very good economically. Yeah. And, it, and, it, and then what that means for us is just more money printing, right? The money's got to come from someplace and the central banks yeah. are going to continue to provide it. More money printing. And, you know, David Rosenberg was on, I guess it was uh, Bloomberg. And he basically said, you know, this, this is a Fed market. It's all Fed market. The economy has nothing to do with the stock market. Right. Nothing. It's just the Fed. And he basically lambasted Powell for like, man, you got the loosest policy we've ever seen of a central bank. You'll print anything for anything. 
and you bail out this guy, bail out that guy, you know, you're already buying all the U.S. government bonds, then you go and buy the munis, then you go buy the states, uh, then you buy uh, everything in the real estate market, and now you're buying corporate bonds and high-yield bonds, and man, you are the market, right. and it ain't going to work in the final analysis, so right. stand by. I keep waiting for them to announce a gold mining ETF buying program. <laughs> yeah, right. We won't need that, okay? Yeah, that's probably we'll, true. We're in charge of that, okay? Uh, I should also mention, I'd like to mention that Nike came out with a loss, okay? Surprising, they had a loss, okay? Well, what do you think happens when the stores are closed? You lose money. Yeah, right. How do you like Carnival losing $4 billion in a quarter? Like, whoo. We're, we're not talking littles anymore. We're talking bigs, and I don't know that the U.S. government and the Fed are big enough to handle all the problems yeah. that are staring us in the face here. Yeah. I want to thank everybody for sending in a bunch of questions again this week. We always very much appreciate you taking the time to do that. There are a lot of questions on individual companies that I ask Eric about before we get started, and he just simply doesn't have an opinion. So for all of you that were asking about, uh, gosh, One Gold and uh, Alba, Arbra, Plata, and I can just kind of go through the list of names here. Uh, outcrop gold. I mean, there's a number of them people ask about, and, and Eric just doesn't have an opinion, so we, we don't want to spend a lot of time just saying, nope, don't know that one, don't know that one. Um, yeah. But we do have a couple, and Eric, I want to start with uh, just kind of a general question. Someone just want to know if you can speak in general terms uh, for like a timeline for a new company. How much time does it take to put a drill plan in place to start getting a team out, to drill it, to look at the results, to publish the findings? I mean, can you speak in general terms of how long that generally takes? Sure. Well, it takes a long time. I mean, you know, the funniest part is that from the day you conceive of drilling something, even conceive of it, till the day it's a mine, typically I think it's 10 years, okay? In fact, we're involved in projects that the guy's drilling was 10 years ago. That's the drilling, and the, the guy's not nowhere near starting a mine. There, there's many of those. Uh, some of them we'll talk about here subsequently. Uh, so it's a long time, I mean, and of course you have you can't come to a conclusion unless the drill bit lets you come to that conclusion. Right. In other words, you have defined the size of the ore body. You, of course, you know you've defined it when you go out a little further and there is none, <laughs> or you go a little deeper and there is none. Now you know how big it is. Now you got to put it into a, a a model and see exactly what you can get from it. And that, that's not a quick thing. I mean. And the day you start drilling something, I would guess you're going to have at least three years of drilling before you could possibly define the size of your ore body mm. so that you can make a proper economic conclusion. In other words, you don't want to build it too small. You don't want to build it too big. Uh, first of all, most of the guys drilling aren't going to build it anyway. You've got to go find a guy to buy it from you. So it's a bit of a process. Yeah, sounds like it. You mentioned last week you glean a lot of information from uh, a few message boards, one of them being CEO.ca. People want to know uh, if you're active on there, if people can follow you there. <laughs> what's my, what's my uh, pseudo, pseudonym? Right. Well, I, I find that mostly hilarious. And I love going there, okay? I love going there because people post articles, people post interviews, people post news on companies that I might not catch. And as I said last week, I mean, if there's one out of a hundred of these postings, I, it gives me some information. I truly believe it's well worth my while to go through it. Now, my posting history. Uh, let me just uh, start off by saying, you know, if I posted on a company that I was involved with, 
I'd be afraid that they might try to send me to jail. <laughs> so, and I don't want to spend time there, okay? No. Uh-huh. So, uh, I don't post to CEO. I don't post to anything, okay? The only posting I do is to Sprott Money podcast every Friday, and that's basically it. And I, I sort of shy away from too much um, uh, publicity out there in terms of interviews and things like that and giving presentations. I might the odd time if I believe the guy has a has done lots of good for the industry. Um, but I, no, I don't post on those chat lines. So don't waste your time looking for what I'm posting. <laughs> yeah, I, I'll, I'll bake you a cake with a file in it, though, if anything happens, Eric. <laughs> yeah, right. right on. Okay, we'll spring you out of there. Um, all right, and just, just some of the names. We had some uh, uh, someone writing in asking about, I don't think this is on the list of ones we know much about, but somebody wondering about the great run lately in Great Bear. Yeah. Now, unfortunately, we've, a lot of people ask about Great Bear, and I'm very familiar with Great Bear now. Uh, I wasn't, uh, let's say, three months ago, but I was aware of it out there, and I, I, I characterized it as, it's one I missed, okay? I missed it. Uh, they keep coming out with these stunning holes. They've even announced a new uh, structure that they found. I think that was just announced this week. The stock's hitting all-time highs. It's a billion-dollar market cap. I mean, obviously, it's a great company. I'm not in it, okay? But all I can say is it's a great company, and they just it just seems to get bigger. So it uh, it looks good, and I, if I was a great bear holder, I'd be hanging in there. One we've discussed quite a bit over the last year or so is Wallbridge. Questioner wrote in and just said, Yo, what do you think of the possibility of Wallbridge spinning stuff off, like their nickel properties and some of the other things into separate companies? Is that a good way to extract value uh, for shareholders? Well, I, I think they've announced they're going to not they haven't put a date on it, but okay. I know it's been out there as a topic of discussion. And um, but my own view, you know, they have lots of nickel properties uh, up in the Sudbury area. Um, I've never spent much time looking at them because I don't care about the nickel properties. Right. Uh, and some people do though. Some of the original shareholders of Walbridge were nickel guys, and all of a sudden they you know fell into this uh, this gold thing at Fenelon. And uh, so they've converted themselves to a, to a gold company by nature of their success. Um, in terms of the, we now have a billion-dollar market cap on Wallbridge, I can't imagine that the spin-out would add significant value to us, okay? In other words, is it worth $50 million? Maybe. Well, fine. That's a 5% uh, benefit, I guess, if they put, spun it out and we ended up with the shares. Uh, I, I can't imagine it's any $100 million because... This, the market cap of this thing, when they had the nickel properties, was probably $10 million. So uh, it, it's got to be somewhere, I, I think, $50 million or less. So I don't think it's going to be that significant. And I don't see them spinning out any of the possible gold properties or that they acquired from Balmoral. They're in it for the gold property. So I don't see that coming in. I know some people are talking about spinning up Mar- Martinier or something. I don't see that happening. They're going to co- focus on the gold. Okay. Uh, one other company that we haven't spoken about for a while is Chesapeake Gold. Uh, yeah. Guy, I want to know if they've got some water issues. Well, uh, yeah. I mean, anybody down there that's uh, building something that has water issues. Uh, there's only one thing I can say about Chesapeake. I'm trying to think of what the market cap is. Is it like 150 to 200 million, something like that? But in their 43101, they have, I think it's 15.8 million ounces of gold. And I think it's 587 million ounces of silver. I like that. Yeah. That's a lot. And, uh, you know, it's, uh, it needs a lot of, of CapEx. Uh, 
So they're CapEx constrained. Let your mind wander to $2,700 gold and let your mind wander to $50 silver. Ooh, baby. Yeah. How, how profitable might that be? So I'm an owner of it. I'd like to own more. I'd like to own more of it. I've asked the company if they'd sell more stock, and I, they don't have a use for my money right now. So, But I do like it. I have a use for it. But <laughs> just let, I'll, I'll send a loan application in through the usual uh, sources. Um, hey, speaking of growing market caps, uh, when you first mentioned Free Gold Ventures about not even two months ago, I think you mentioned it was a $50 million market cap. Uh, if that's the case, it's now about a $200 million market cap. That thing's moving like crazy. It's been good. And um, it's interesting how I keep saying sometimes you've got to keep re-reviewing things. And I have brought up the, uh, the fact that they found the first 6.5 million ounces of resources with only 37,000 meters of drilling, which is unheard of. For example, Amex Exploration is, says they're going to drill 200,000 meters this year. 200,000. Wow. You know, these guys found 6.5 million ounces by drilling 37,000 meters. And I sort of asked, well, how does that happen? Uh, well, uh, we didn't miss. <laughs> Every hole hits. And you think, just, well, why don't you drill another 37,000 meters then, okay? Maybe we can double that low grade that nobody cared about because they found it in, in 2011, 2012, 2013 when no one gave a damn, no one was investing in gold stocks, and it, it just disappeared off the face of the earth, okay? Now they come along with this uh, drill hole, which is a high-grade drill hole. And um, uh, this fellow, Brad Alex, uh, who I've referred to before, who has a uh, website called uh, Head of the Herd, I think it is, Head of the Herd, did a great article on... Uh, Golden Summit, the property that uh, Free Gold Ventures has. And um, the first thing he said was this hole was, he thought it was going to be the hole, the best hole of 2020. And then he went on to say, in the 35 years, in my 35 years of analyzing, I guess, I've never seen such a perfect setup for value creation. Oh my gosh. Now that's a bit of a statement, okay? Make sure. Whoa. Okay. Now, here's what's interesting about this. I've laterally been focusing on the low grade, thinking, man, they can just blow this size of this low grade wide open. Brad, uh, who did this analysis uh, using a 200 meter strike, 115 meters width, 500 meters depth, comes up with 2.87 million ounces in that little weak confined area that could be as much as, I think, 800 meters of strike. And it could go down three kilometers. And you, you can imagine, oh my God, don't put those numbers in front of me. You know, we'll find another 10 million ounces there. Well, now you could have something really serious. And maybe this is uh, what explains, well, how did, you know, they, they, the alluvials coming out of the creeks surrounding this property generated 6.5 million ounces, 6.5 out of the creeks. Oh, where did that come from? I yeah, jeez. Maybe, maybe there is a big deposit up there, guys. Anyway, I'm, uh, I'm quite keen on it. I've had the funniest, I've got to tell our listeners, i had the funniest situation where now that I'm over 20%, I'm allowed five transactions in the stock market. But I found out there's a new rule. And the new rule is when you're over 20%, um, you can't pay more than 15% above the 20-day moving average of the price of the stock. And it's going up so fast that my moving average never lets me be in the market. So, for example, <laughs> I think my moving average, the 20-day moving average is maybe 75 cents today. 
and so maybe I can pay 85 cents, <laughs> except the stock's a dollar twelve. So even though there might be some large sellers who would like to sell me a block of stock, I still can't buy it. So well, I'm not selling you anyway. mine. Yeah, no. Sorry. Um, I would change my ownership interest by a lot, I'm sure of that. I, exactly. Well, you know, and maybe what we'll do, Eric, you talk about the creeks, we'll just go up there with our picks and our pans, and, there we go. Uh, and we'll be in business. Hey, you're yeah, being very gentle. And by the way, and by the way, I should remind people again, you can drive to this mine. There's a road goes there. It's in Alaska. Where, where was the last time that some guy finds that kind of uh, ore body, and you can drive to the damn thing, and it's like uh, 25 minutes outside of Fairbanks? Goodness. Wow. Goodness. Yeah. Uh, you're being very generous with your time, Eric. Just as we wrap up, you would mentioned uh, there might be a couple other shares you just want to discuss quickly. Well, Amex, of course, came out with uh, – they did a financing. I was a small participant in it. Um, uh, they came up with some pretty good drill results. They're dr- drilling deeper into their ore body, and, and, of course, the grade seems to be improving. So that looks good. Uh, I participated in the issue for Galway Metals. They have a property in New Brunswick. They've had some very good drilling uh, looks hopeful. Uh, what else do I want? Oh, well, I, I think, you know, if you can imagine the price of gold going up, uh, which we discussed earlier, you have to start thinking about low-grade, large tonnage operations and what could happen to them in this pricing environment. And that's why, for example, I like the uh, Chesapeake. I like Tudor. I like the whole Treaty Creek thing, uh, which is low-grade. But, uh, hey, it, it something above two thousand dollar gold these things are all coming on the economic playing field so that's where i'm scouring around looking for things eric that's great stuff again thank everybody uh we really appreciate all the questions this week we appreciate all of eric's insights of course if you're looking for more insight in the precious metals industry thoughts on where prices are headed sproutmoney.com is the place to look you go to the home page you look for the insights tab and uh, that's where you'll find the weekly wrap-up the Ask the Expert segments, and all the weekly posts from our team of Sprott Money writers, including yours truly. So if you're trying to understand what drives the price of gold and silver, be sure to always check out SprottMoney.com, that Insights tab. You'll find all sorts of great information there, even that latest report from Christopher Mullen that uh, Eric mentioned earlier. Eric, thank you so much for your time. Uh, It's going to be an interesting uh, third quarter, and it's all going to get started next week. It's been fun this six months, hasn't it? It has. Let's hope that, you know, we were talking uh, talking on my site yesterday how much uh, gold has gone up in the last 90 days. Uh, actually, since QE to infinity, it's gone, it's gone up something like 17%, 18%. Can you imagine if it puts on another 18% in the next 90 days? And I can certainly imagine that. Yeah, you can. Well, thank <laughs> you, my friend. I hope you have a great weekend. Okay, you too, Craig. All the best. And from all of us at Sprott Money News at SprottMoney.com, thank you for listening. Have a great weekend, and we'll talk to you next Thursday, I guess. Next Friday is a market holiday, so we'll talk to you next Thursday. Thanks again for listening, everyone. 